Hi, everyone, and welcome to White Rock Baptist Church. We're so grateful that you found us, whether you are listening in your car or maybe you're washing dishes or maybe even you've got your feet up and you are relaxed and ready to listen. Either way, we are glad that you're here with us today. Here at White Rock Baptist Church, we are in a summer sermon series called Small Part, Big Story. And each week we're exploring characters in the Bible who have small roles. Some of them only have a couple verses and one of them isn't even given a name, but they all play a part of the big story, often supporting the main characters we usually hear about in the Bible, but even bigger than that, playing a part of God's big story. And we find ourselves in that same sort of situation. We know that God has called each of us to serve him by serving others, and that that plays a part in our church community, in our local community, but in God's big kingdom. And so we're just excited for the different opportunities that you um, are in or that you'll find yourself in. And we would just encourage you to check out our website. We'd love to connect with you, hear more from you. If you're able, join us on Sunday mornings online to hear these live or even come be with us in person if that's available to you. Either way, we trust that God is going to speak to you and hope that it is a meaningful time that God reveals a little bit more about who he is and who he's created you to be and what your role is in his big, glorious story. Thanks for listening. So last week we began a new series looking at the Holy Spirit. And over the next couple of weeks, we are kind of journeying through this topic of who is the Holy Spirit? Where does the Holy Spirit fit in? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what does the Holy Spirit do? Uh, you know, and, and how does the Holy Spirit move through us? How does the Holy Spirit equip us, gift us, perhaps uh, as we obey, also in a sense change us? And as I said last week, if we are in Christ, if we are born again believers in Jesus Christ, we already have the Holy Spirit within us. Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, yes, in the context, Paul is talking about sexual immorality, but the point remains the same. For those who are in Christ, our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is within us. And as I said last week, that means we don't need some second experience or some second baptism of the Holy Spirit. We already have. It might be that we're unaware of that. It might be that we stifle the Holy Spirit through disobedience and through sin, but we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is this person, this personality of the Trinity. And as R.A. Tari said, the Holy Spirit is a real person, just as real as Jesus Christ himself, an ever-present loving friend and mighty helper, who is not only always at their side, but dwells in their heart every day and every hour, and who is ready to undertake them for in every emergency of life. So that means we have access to the Holy Spirit. And as I pointed out last week, that means we need to learn to walk in obedience, to to obey those promptings of the Holy Spirit and to obey the Word of God, to put it into practice. And as we do that, as we obey, as we put the Word of God into practice, it's then that we begin to see 
the effects of the Holy Spirit. And just like Billy Graham so famously said, I've never seen the wind. I've seen the effects of the wind, but I've never seen the wind. And of course, all he was doing was really quoting John chapter 3, verse 8, where Jesus himself says, no one knows where the wind comes from or where it's going. We can't see it, but we see its effects. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. As we obey, as we walk in light of the Spirit's presence, so we start to see him. You know, I said, Billy Graham, uh, some of you might wonder, well, what resources are you using? What are you looking through as you prepare, as you equip and, and get ready for this series? They're, we're using a whole bunch of books as a pastoral team, but there are three that are in our church library that I think if you're a reader, you would really enjoy reading, and it really speaks to these topics. The three of those books are The Forgotten God by Francis Chan, the Holy Spirit by Billy Graham, uh, and Fire and Wind by Stan Jantz. That's a new one that's not in the, off, uh, in the library. It's in my office. We'll get there next week. Uh, but if you're a reader, go and grab those books and stretch yourself as we grapple with who is the Holy Spirit. As we go into today, if you're making notes or maybe you've seen it online, uh, my title for today is, I've Got Jesus, Why Do I Need the Spirit? That's the first chapter of Francis Chan's book. I stole that title because I love that title. Um, I'm not using much of the chapter other than the title. But I've got Jesus. Why do I need the Spirit? You know, a couple of years ago, I was sitting chatting with another pastor, and, and we were talking about just spiritual growth and, and developing in this process of sanctification, of becoming more like Christ. And in the conversation, it kind of turned to the role of the Holy Spirit. And as I shared some of my testimony last year of just being so desperate and so hungry for something that would just change me, uh, I was in that place of saying, you know, I just want more of the Spirit. I, I'm, I'm, I long for the Spirit. I want to know the Spirit. I want to see the Spirit at work in my life. And as we were chatting, this other pastor, kind of because of their denomination and their view of the Spirit, he wasn't that keen. He kind of thought I might be jumping off into the wrong deep end. And he just said, you know what? All I want is Jesus. I just want to know Jesus. I just want more of Jesus. That's all I want. And there's nothing wrong with that statement. I mean, Paul himself says that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But as I chatted with this guy, I realized, you know, for him, he just wanted Jesus. And, and he was, didn't really even want to entertain a conversation about the Holy Spirit. But in that verse that I just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just two verses later, as Paul's just said, I've, I, I decided to know nothing among you except Christ. Two verses later, he says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And so while Paul resolved to know nothing but Christ, Paul was no stranger to the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. And that makes sense, because Jesus himself said we need the Holy Spirit. You know, in, in many, sadly, Baptist churches especially, we, we believe in the Trinity, and we have a Trinity, but for many of us, our Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. It's not supposed to be that way. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
And make no mistake, the scriptures lead us back to that. I'm not saying throw the scriptures out. The scriptures are God's declaration and self-revelation. We need the scriptures. But they point us back to Jesus. And Jesus himself, sorry, said, I have to go for me to send the Holy Spirit. And so today, as we dive into Scripture, we're going to look at John and John chapter 14 and onwards. You're welcome to grab a Bible and turn to John 14. It will be up on the screen. It's going to be a fairly lengthy portion of Scripture today. So I would really encourage you, uh, read it as we're going. Follow along. The book of John is really just this incredible gospel as John speaks about Christ's ministry and Christ's work. But if you read, God, read the Gospel of John with an awareness of the Holy Spirit, you start to actually see there are countless references all through the book of John. And Jesus speaks about the Spirit. Even as John kind of records, there are certain moments where in brackets he speaks about the coming Holy Spirit. There's this awareness of God the Spirit at some point will do something incredible. So Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples with his final teaching before his crucifixion, he's with them before the final supper or that last meal. He gives them these last few words before praying for them. Reading in John 14 from verse 15 and onwards. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and he will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then we're going to jump ahead to John 15, verse 26. John 15, verse 26. When the Advocate comes... Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must, be, must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And then let's jump ahead to the last few verses in John chapter 16 from verse 7. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. 
Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me and make it known to you. So as we read through that portion of Scripture, as Jesus is teaching his disciples and really giving these kind of last words of teaching, last words of encouragement, and this theme of the Holy Spirit comes out uh, as strongly throughout. And there are a couple of things that stand out as we read through those, those verses. The first thing that jumps out for me is Jesus makes it very clear, those who love, obey. And those who love and obey are the ones who receive the Spirit. You know, Jesus talks about this advocate, this helper. Uh, the Greek word parakletos simply means one who is summoned to one side and who often acts in a legal sense as an advocate, someone who speaks on behalf of. But it also includes the source of someone supporting from the side, walking with, helping, regardless of what might happen. Or perhaps think of it as someone with you when you're going into battle, someone with you when you're going into trials and persecutions. And of course, Jesus knows that's what's going to happen to the disciples. He prays about that in John 17, that we wouldn't be overcome by the trials that we will face in life, but that the Holy Spirit, our advocate, who stands with us, would help us face those trials. So we have the Holy Spirit who is here to help us live the Christian life as we love and obey. Yeah, Andrew Murray said, for a healthy Christian life, it is indispensable that we be fully conscious that we have received the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. It's indispensable for our Christian life. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit is with us. And so as I love and obey, as I walk in obedience to the teaching of Jesus, that's when I see and experience. Now, the Apostle Paul echoes this in Romans chapter 8, if you want to go read that in your own time. But in, in Romans chapter 8, sorry, Paul talks about life in the Spirit. And he speaks about this whole role that the Spirit plays in our life as we walk in obedience. It's kind of these two sides of the same coin. And this is why Jesus begins, and it's interesting, he begins his teaching on the Holy Spirit by saying, if you love me, you will obey, and then you will receive the Spirit. You know, last week I spoke about part of my desire for the Spirit was because, man, I was struggling in so many areas. It was like I was walking in defeat in, in so many places in my life, and I thought, I'm never going to overcome these sins, I'm never going to overcome these challenges. I just need the Holy Spirit to snap his finger and boom, I'm a whole new person. You know, the Bible doesn't support that. Yes, 
by God's sovereignty and by God's grace. There are testimonies of those individuals who have experienced. But that is by far the exception. For the rest of us, it's walking in obedience. The Holy Spirit isn't just simply going to snap and change our personalities. So for those of us who struggle with lust, for those of us who struggle with pride, for those of us who struggle with anger, for those of us who struggle with impatience or gossip or whatever other sin we want to rattle off in a list of thousands, the Holy Spirit says, walk in obedience, and I will help you walk in obedience. And I need to remind us, obedience isn't simply just knowledge. It's not just another Bible study. It's not just another eight-point series. It's doing. It's doing what the Word of God calls us to do. And as we do, that's when we see. Now, of course, some of us might need to do something really practical. Because you might sit and go, Brian, I really want to obey, but but you don't understand. I, I, I struggle with this. Well, then delete that app. You know, or take a different route. Do the practical things. And as we obey, and as we step out in that hard place, that's when the advocate comes and supports and walks with us. If you love, you will obey my teaching, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. But the second thing after that, Jesus doesn't just say that. The second thing Jesus says is, he has to go. It's for our good that I go. You know, I once heard it said that everyone can light up a room. Everyone can light up a room. Some, it's when they walk into the room. Others, it's when they walk out the room. (laughs) No, I'm not saying that about Jesus at all. But Jesus was pointing out to his disciples, you want me here. And let's be honest, most of us would love that. I mean, I would love to have Jesus in here. If Jesus came in, I'd be like, Jesus, you preach, I'll sit down and shut up. That's what we want. But Jesus says, you don't get it. It's for your good. It's for your good that I go, because when I go, I send the Holy Spirit for everyone. The Holy Spirit will come. And Jesus actually makes it clear in verse 8 of John 16 what the Spirit will do in that regard. He says, when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Some translations will say he will convict the world. And there's a lot of debate, there's a lot of scholarly debate around what exactly does that mean. But really, in a nutshell, or basically, the Holy Spirit will reveal sin to be what it is. The problem is there will be many who refuse to acknowledge that. There will be many who will refuse to acknowledge sin and in fact will go so far as to double down in their sin and start calling evil good. And so the Holy Spirit will come and he will prove to the world that their understanding of sin, righteousness and judgment are wrong. You know, the world says there is no sin. You can do whatever you want as long as you're not hurting anyone. I want to assure you, You start doing whatever you want, you will hurt other people. So the world says there's no sin. You do whatever you want. There's no sin. The Holy Spirit shows to say there is sin. You cannot just live however you want. But not only does the world say there is no sin, the world says there's no such thing as righteousness. 
You know, righteousness is this outdated concept. Righteousness sounds like uh, some sort of hierarchy. And if you declare and you think you're righteous, well, then you're condemning others, and we don't want to do that. So there's no such thing as righteousness. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says, there is righteousness. It's found in Jesus Christ. And those who are in Christ are declared righteous in Christ. And then, of course, the world says there's no judgment. How dare you judge? No one judge. You do whatever you want, and and no one will judge what you do because it's all okay. It's all equally valid. And the Holy Spirit points out that no, there is judgment. And if you think judgment is simply about all these little things and, and that's all that's going to be judged, no, the Holy Spirit reveals those who are not in Christ will stand in judgment for rejecting. There is sin and righteousness and judgment. And therefore, it is for our good that Jesus goes in order to send the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some of you might kind of have this theological question as you read through there and you'll say, well, you know, in the beginning portion, Jesus said God was going to send the Spirit or God the Father was going to send the Spirit. And then a couple of verses later, Jesus says, I will send the Spirit. Uh, So, you know, you're going to discuss this in a life group this coming week. Who sends the Holy Spirit? Is it God or is it Jesus? And the answer is yes. Because God is a triune God of Father, Son, and Spirit. And so as one sends, so the other sends. Both send the Spirit. And Jesus says that unless he goes, we will not see the Spirit. And we will not receive the Spirit. So what will the Spirit do? And this is the last point that we read as we go through here. Jesus makes it plain. The Spirit will glorify Christ. The Spirit will glorify Christ. Jesus says in John 16, 13 and 14, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Doesn't that sound very similar to what Jesus said previously? Jesus said, I don't do anything on my own accord. The son doesn't do his own thing. The son only does what he sees the father doing. And he responds to the father. And so Jesus makes it clear, the spirit will lead you. And he will only do what he sees God doing. And what will he do? He will glorify Christ by taking from Christ and making known to us. By reminding us of the truth, reminding us of God's words to us, and helping us as we yield and obey. You know, every couple of months, you know, I talk about revival and and just this heartfelt desire to see a revival again. To see the church of Christ so infused and so fired up with the things of Christ that we cannot help but worship and that we cannot help but tell the world. That we cannot help but but live as lights of Christ in this place that is so desperately in need. I was reminded of the revival that took place in Wales in 1904. This huge revival swept through Wales, uh, led under the preaching of Evan Roberts. You know, and, and thousands came to faith in Christ. 
It's a fascinating reading of history and, and seeing the work of God in Wales at that time. But you know, as I read through that and as I try and make sense of Evan Roberts' preaching, it really was just, dare I say, it was kind of like, okay. And I know you're going, well, Brian, now you're, you know, the Spirit was working. Exactly. But all Evan Roberts did, all he called people to do, was very simple. He said, confess all known sin and receive forgiveness through Christ. He was talking to churches, to Christians. Confess sin, receive forgiveness. And then remove anything in your life that, if, that, that there is doubt about. Anything that might pull you away from Christ. Remove something that is in doubt. And then be ready to obey the Holy Spirit unconditionally and instantly. And lastly, publicly confess Jesus as Lord. That's all he preached. That's all he exhorted. That's all he encouraged. Confess sin, receive forgiveness, remove those sin things in your life, and then obey the Spirit and declare Christ. But of course, he said that because that's what Jesus said. I go so that the Spirit comes and the Spirit will glorify me. Our job as we grow in this process of sanctification to become more and more like Christ is simply to glorify Christ. That's what I spoke about last week. When when Pentecost takes place, as Jesus says to his disciples, go and wait for me in Acts 1 verse 8. And he says, then when the Spirit comes... And you're baptized and you receive the Spirit, sorry. At that point, you will then be my witnesses to the far ends of the world. How do we glorify Christ? By simply sharing our faith and testimony. And I know when I say that, quite a few of us get a little kind of stressed. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to preach to some random stranger. I'm not asking you to do that. I'm not asking you to convert the cashier at Costco or wherever you might go. All I'm asking is to learn to speak about God in your life, to bring him into the conversation, to share your faith in that regard. And as you do that, you will see God at work in lives around you. So while there is nothing wrong with the statements, I want more Jesus. I want to know Jesus more. I want to be like Jesus more. I want to, I want to know the, the, that crucifixion of Christ and what that means and the resurrection and what that means. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. That's only one part of the story. Jesus says you need the Holy Spirit. That's why I need to go. And that's why Jesus gave the Holy Spirit. You know, as I close off this morning, John closes with an interesting verse. Uh, Or or in the closing chapters, I should say, in John chapter 20, verse 19 to 22. And this is now after Christ's arrest, crucifixion, and burial, and resurrection. And he appears to the disciples in John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, while the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And this doesn't contradict Luke's accounts in Acts of Pentecost. 
This is John's gospel as he records this account. And as John experiences and as John sees, he receives this Holy Spirit from Jesus. My friends, this morning I close. You have received the Holy Spirit. Therefore, go and live in light of this truth. Let's pray together. Jesus, we worship you. We know that you are enthroned. And that there will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Jesus, today again, we worship you and we confess you are Lord. God Almighty, thank you for your gift. Jesus, we thank you that though we try and cling to you, you have made it clear that you had to go in order to send the Spirit, our advocate, our helper who could journey with us. And we pray. Holy Spirit, help us to experience, to see, and to know your presence. And may you help us glorify Christ. Let us live in light of this truth. Amen.